can open your Bibles with me this morning to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. It's Christmas. And so in all likelihood, you will have opened a gift, perhaps, or, or, or maybe that's coming later. I can remember growing up sitting in a Christmas Eve service in the church I grew up in and, and hearing the words, if not these exact words, something to the effect, Jesus is the greatest gift of all. Jesus is the greatest gift of all. And he is. At this point, it's a cliche, but it's true. Jesus is the greatest gift of all. But I can remember hearing those words on Christmas Eve with presents lined up under the tree and thinking, I know that's true. I know that's true, but somehow I can't help but fixating first on those presents under the tree. Or on Christmas afternoon, having opened them, on a particularly lean and disappointing Christmas, looking back and thinking, I know I'm supposed to be treasuring Jesus in this moment. I know Jesus is supposed to be a greater gift than anything I was hoping for under the tree, but somehow on Christmas afternoon, I can't help but feeling that the better gift would have been under the tree. This is normal for us to struggle with this. We know on some level, of course Jesus is the greatest gift, but actually to believe it, to feel it, to live like it's true, that's the the struggle. And so what I want us to do this morning, this Christmas morning, is to remind ourselves of the gift that Jesus is, which is one of the core Christian disciplines. We're going to be faithful to Christ and following him is actually just reminding ourselves of things we already know, of preaching to ourselves the basic wonderful truths of the gospel. And so what I want us to do this morning is to look at Jesus. I want us to come to the tree and open up the gift and marvel at Jesus, at who he is. And my hope, my prayer for us is that as we do this Christmas, we would treasure Christ in our hearts above all else. That we would see and even experience that Christ truly is our greatest gift, the greatest gift of all. And to do this, we're going to be in John chapter 1, in the first 18 verses. So let's read this passage together and then we'll pray. John 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from John, from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, 
was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. This is the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to Your Word this morning, and our, our longing, our aim is that You would show us Jesus, not who we imagine him to be, but who he really is and who you really are. That as we come to your word, you yourself would speak to us, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would show us the infinite treasure of knowing Jesus Christ, and our hearts would overflow in experiencing that greatest gift of all. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Jesus is our greatest gift, and we're going to see that, I pray, in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, begin somewhere. They had to choose somewhere to start. Last night, we looked at Luke, um, good portions of the first two chapters of Luke, and Luke starts with Jesus' birth. Of just before his birth, but we get this, this long and in-depth study of, of the events around Jesus' birth. Matthew also begins with Jesus' birth, but his, his introduction is much shorter. We, we looked at that next, uh, last Sunday. Mark chooses a different beginning. He doesn't begin at the beginning of Jesus' life. He begins at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He starts with John the Baptist, and John and Jesus are both grown men, right? And John's pointing forward to Jesus, right? Behold the Lamb of God. John chooses a different beginning. Not the beginning of Jesus' life, like Matthew and Luke. Not the beginning of Jesus' ministry, like Mark. But at the beginning. The beginning of all creation. John zooms way out. And he shows us that Jesus is, is way more than a cute baby in the manger. He, he zooms way out and he shows us, In the beginning was the Word. He shows us Christ before he was born of Mary. He shows us Christ in his infinite glory. In the beginning was the Word. By the Word here, John's referring to Jesus. Later he says the Word became flesh. He's referring to Christ before his incarnation. He says in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He says don't get it confused. Jesus wasn't just... 
isn't just a mere human being. He's truly man, yes, in his incarnation, but also truly God, that Christ has existed from all eternity as God and dwelling with God. There's a ton to unpack in these first couple of verses, and we're not going to do them justice this morning. There's just not enough time. But the reality that John is alluding to here is the reality of the Trinity of God, that God exists as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And here in verses 1 and 2, John is alluding to the fact that the Father and the Son have dwelt together for all eternity, right? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see what he's doing there? That Jesus was with the Father, and that Jesus is God, even as the Father is God. And there's mysteries here too deep for our understanding. The point for us this morning is that Jesus is not a mere human being. Jesus himself is God, eternal God, the God who was at the beginning. And for our purposes this morning, the most important thing I want us to see is that Jesus is the God through whom all things came into being. Verse 3, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Here John is pointing all the way back to Genesis 1, which should jump right out in our heads as soon as we read verse 1, right? In the beginning. Where have we heard that before? Genesis 1, verse 1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now John says, in the beginning was the Word. And he says, through the Word, all things were made. And what should that make us think of in Genesis 1? How did God create? He spoke, right? Each day of creation, he speaks, right? He speaks and the stars are flung into the sky, right? He speaks and the planets begin their rotation. He speaks and the water recedes within its bounds. He speaks and the mountains spring up to attention. He speaks and a human being is formed. He speaks and the water teems with life. God speaks and creation stands to attention. It's the word of God through which God made the world. And what John is doing is he's pointing us back to that Genesis 1 passage and he's, he's explaining it to us. He's expositing it. He's saying, look, back in Genesis 1 when you, when you see God speaking into creation and the Spirit hovering over the waters, you're seeing the Trinity, and you're actually seeing Jesus. That the Father speaks, and Christ is the Word, and the Spirit was hovering over the waters. All things were made through Him, the Word. Jesus is the Word of God, through which the world was powerfully formed. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is our greatest gift, and the first way in which John shows us this is by showing us that Jesus is the life of all creation. All creation finds its beginning, finds its life in Christ, who is the Word of God. Practically, this means there is 
no square inch in all creation, no atom, no nothing that you can find, nothing you will ever see, taste, touch, or smell that is not held together every instant by the will and word of God. Jesus holds this universe together. Paul says this quite clearly in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. In him, uh, I'm sorry, verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus holds this world together. And so that means, first of all this morning, if you're looking for reasons to thank Jesus, reasons to treasure Christ, we should understand that actually the whole world is his Christmas tree. Literally everything you see, taste, touch, smell, run into today is being held together every moment by the word of God who is Jesus. We have reason to give thanks for, to God for literally everything. Everything is held together by the word of God. Jesus is the life of all creation. Every breath we breathe, every day we wake up, we're living in the life of Christ. Christ is our life. His life is the light of men. Jesus is the life of all creation. This is reason to treasure Christ. Our first one. But then we run into a problem. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. John is not naive. He acknowledges here there is darkness in the world. There is real deep darkness in the world. He says the light shines in the darkness. And what is the darkness of the world? It's nothing we really have to be told about. We know this world is broken. We know our hearts are flawed. We know our bodies will die. A sentence of death is on this whole race. We know our hearts are fundamentally flawed. That however hard we try, we... We find there is something bent within us. We find within ourselves a longing for our God and our Creator, which we cannot find because where is He? We're no longer in His presence. There's a darkness in this world which has hung upon this creation ever since the fall. Ever since Adam and Eve turned away from God, turned away from the light, said we'd prefer the darkness over the light. And in choosing sin, brought upon themselves and upon all of us the curse of sin and death. And this choice we all make in them. We all make this choice too. We choose the darkness rather than the light. We choose the creation rather than the creator. We choose to love lesser things instead of worshiping the God we were made to know and worship with all our being. This is the darkness of the world. And John says something we really need to hear because the darkness can be overwhelming. 
The darkness can be terrifying. And we can wonder in the darkness, is there any hope? For us, for creation? And John tells us, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness is not stronger than this light. Because this light is the light of the world. This light is the very word of God in whom we live and move and have our being. This light is Jesus Christ and he is unstoppable. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This gives us great hope. It should. Two reasons this morning we should treasure Christ as our greatest gift. First, Jesus is the life of all creation. Second, Jesus is the light in the darkness. Jesus is the light in the darkness of sin and death, of the curse which hangs upon us. And how has this light, where can we see it? Where can we find this light? Where has this hope been made manifest in the world? Well, John's going to tell us. Verse 6, he says, there was a man. I love this. The first five verses, John's all about galaxies, right? He's at the top level. He's like the word of God from from all eternity, right? And then in verse 6, he, he comes all the way down to the ground. Right? And says, there, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. You want to see the light? Well, we're going to start by looking at John. Is John the light? Verse 7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So we're coming to the Apostle John and saying, all right, where do we find the light? And he's saying, well, there's this guy, John the Baptist, different John. And John the Baptist came to witness to the light. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Coming into the world. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, the light coming into the world. John says it differently in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the reality we celebrate at Christmas. This is the reason the angels sang. This is the glory of Christmas that God, the word, the light of the world in whom All things hold together came into the world taking on human flesh that we might see him and know him. This is why Christmas is a big deal. Because God has come to dwell among us. Because the word has been made flesh. Because the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And John the Baptist as he was baptizing on the banks of the Jordan, when he saw Jesus come over the knoll, what did he say? What did he do? Point, right? Which is his one job. John's whole ministry is about saying, it's not about me. 
There's one who's coming who's better than I, right? Verse 15, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. This is the one. Elsewhere he says, This is the one of of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He's so much greater than me. And then elsewhere, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one who breaks the darkness. Jesus. Jesus is the light, the word, the life. Come into the world. God in the flesh. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him Yet the world did not know him. This is the tragic, in some ways tragic, irony of Christ. The the light of the world comes into the world, and the world does not see him. Or at least did not know him. Verse 11, he came to his own, you're referring to God's people, Israel, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Even those who'd received the revelation of God couldn't recognize God when he showed up on their doorsteps. Some did, most didn't. In some ways it shouldn't surprise us, because how did we get in this whole mess? We chose the darkness rather than the light. We don't want the light of the world. We want to hide in our sin. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John tells us the light came into the world. and So many have not seen him, but to those who did see him, who did know him, who did receive him, who did believe in his name, those who welcomed the light, he does what to break the darkness? He makes them children of God. This is the answer to the darkness. When the word becomes flesh and brings the light of hope into the world, the the great hope which he brings is adoption. And maybe this doesn't make sense to us much at first. Like, How does it help that I would become a child of God? How does that break the darkness? Well, we need to understand the nature of the darkness. What's the problem? What's the fundamental problem beneath all the darkness of the world? Is that we have loved darkness rather than light. Is that we've turned from our God. We've sinned against him. And the, the wage of sin is death. The fundamental problem with the world is that we've sinned against God. We're no longer in relationship with him. We've made ourselves enemies of God. And we need desperately to be reconciled. 
our problem is that we've cut ourselves off from the only one who can give us true life. Because we've cut ourselves off from the life. And as long as we keep turning our backs on Jesus, we will keep cutting ourselves off from the life. He is the life. There is no life apart from him. He is the light. There is no light apart from him. And what we need is to be reconciled somehow to God for this great rift which we have caused to be healed. What we need somehow is for our sins to be forgiven, for our shame to be lifted, for our guilt to be gone, and to be made right with God. And so you see, this is no small thing that John says about becoming a child of God. John says what what this light of the world enables, what he does for those who come to him, is he takes Sinful, sorry people out in the cold of the darkness of sin and brings them into the family of God, actually making them children, seating them at the table. What God has done for us, what God promises to do for us if we come to Christ is that through him, through his death, He can cleanse us of our sin. And in his resurrection, he can raise us to new and eternal life. And even as he sits now at the right hand of the Father, what Christ can do if we come to him is actually to reckon us children of God. Not only to wipe the slate clean, but to bring us near, to bring us into the family, and to embrace us with the arms of love so that we can call God Father. Adoption is the answer to the darkness. And if we can if we can get this into our heads, if we can really understand this all the way down, Jesus will become our greatest treasure. If if we can really understand where we were before him, without him, if we can really understand the, the darkness of sin, And that gutter we were lying in before he came to us, dead in our sins and bound for hell. And that there, at our worst, Christ came to us with an open hand to lift us out, to wash us clean, to clothe us in the robes of his own righteousness and to bring us into his father's house, and to sit us at the table, and to lay a feast. This is what Christ has done for us, to offer us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, to take us from death to life, from aliens and enemies of God, to sons and daughters of a good and perfect father. 
What a treasure. There is no greater treasure. There is no greater gift than to know Jesus Christ, the life of all creation in whom all things hold together, the light in the darkness which will overcome every last bit of darkness. Jesus is our greatest gift. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we praise you and we thank you for sending Jesus to break the darkness. We, we feel unworthy of your presence because we know at the deepest level that we are by ourselves. And so we thank you, we praise you for the tremendous grace which draws us near. We know that in you, Jesus, you have poured out grace upon grace. That as you have shown us the face of God, as you have shown us the face of our Creator, what we have seen is not coldness which turns us away, but love which draws us near. Grace upon grace, you've shown us grace upon grace. You've been so patient with us, Father. And I pray that you would be with us this Christmas day and this Christmas season, that whatever we find under the tree, that whatever the rest of our life may look like, that you, Lord Jesus, would be our greatest treasure, you who hold all things together, and you who shine the light of hope into our lives. This life, this life is our hope, our only hope in life and death, and it's on this hope we stake everything. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together and stand. Praise God from whom all.